All right. So hi, everyone. Today we are joined by Lorraine and Peter to talk about the current housing market as real estate agents and housing analysts themselves. So today we have Lorraine Colavito, who has been a New Jersey realtor since 1993, a licensed broker since 2005. She has been she has had the honor of being New Jersey Realtor of the Year in 2011 and again in 2015. Some of her many designations and certifications are ABR, Accredited Buyer Representative, CRS, Certified Residential Specialist, and CRS, Seller Representative Specialist, as well as many more. She specializes as she specializes in giving an accurate marketing analysis and loves assisting homeowners by marketing and selling their current home, making the process as stress-free as possible. And again, we have Peter Klein, who is the managing principal of the Trust Realty Group. The company is an integrated real estate investment, management, and real estate sales organization, operating in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. The trust team specializes in working with real estate investors, as well as working with home buyers and sellers. As an investor, Peter has purchased residential, commercial, and industrial properties, totaling in the tens of millions of dollars. So welcome, both of you guys. Thank you. Nice to be here, finally. <laughs> and thank you as well. Your introduction makes me sound very important, but uh, I think I'm just a hardworking uh, professional like Lorraine is. So let's get started on some of these questions. So according to the National Association of Realtors, the median sales prices on existing homes reached historic highs as of March 2021. What are the reasons housing demand is so high today? Well, when you talk about demand, it's two sides. There's both sellers and buyers. And what we're finding, there are a lot of buyers out there, but a lot of sellers are waiting. They're waiting to find out what's going to happen long-term economically, long-term health-wise. And I think what's driven a lot of the rise in prices is the fact that we've got a lot of buyers, but not enough sellers. So during the pandemic, um, there has been immense competition for buyers looking for a new home, leading to multiple offers selling for over the asking price. Do you think now is a good time to sell? I, I can let Lorraine take that. She's uh, yeah. in the market every day. I, I always tell my clients, it, you're probably going to get a top dollar today as opposed to waiting to see what's going to happen maybe in the spring market of 2022, um, only because of the supply and demand. Uh, we had a great influx of people coming here from New York City and other states, and that's really what resulted in so much um, of the, the low inventory. So um, yeah, the sellers are in a really good place right now, but I always ask them the key question, where are you going? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be running around with them trying to find something. Mm -hmm. Other thing to talk about is mm -hmm. from a seller perspective, um, we as a, as a country have really supported home ownership during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of the stimulus money has gone to keep people um, with a regular income. Um, we've seen the, the feds keep interest rates really low. So that's benefited the housing market as well. And a lot of the stimulus, instead of coming locally, which our tax dollars, dollars go to pay for, it's coming from the feds. And so when Washington puts that money out, it's not having a negative impact on housing just yet. 
So I think the the stars are aligned as the prices go up for sellers, um, but it's still a good time as a buyer to go looking. So in a hot real estate market, home inventory is low, competition is high, and as a buyer buying a home in a strong seller's market presents a lot of challenges. How does one navigate a hot housing market? I think the idea of being a good qualified buyer is the most important. And what does that look like? Well, you need to know what you're looking for. Too often we'll take a buyer out and they're still thinking about it. So if you're competing against someone who knows exactly the number of bedrooms and baths, exactly what area they wanna be in, they're ready to pull the trigger right away to make an offer. If you're not sure, my advice is always, let's make sure that you know what you're looking for so when you see it, you can put an offer in. The other thing to think about is if I'm competing to buy a house, and I haven't started figuring out how to pay for it yet, so I don't have my pre-approval in place. If I have a house to sell and I haven't started marketing my own house, so I'm gonna have to sell my house to buy the other, you wanna make sure as a buyer in a hot market or in any market that you're a good buyer, which means you're ready with very little contingencies to make a transaction happen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I agree with what Peter said. And um, some of the things that I've, found I've had to do on behalf of my buyers, uh, ask them if they are prepared to, uh, to waive an appraisal. And I will explain to them in great detail in an email explaining exactly what they would be responsible for in dollars in the event it does not appraise. And if they have the ability to do that and are comfortable we move forward, we can uh, really throw that out there on the table in addition to a um, extremely competitive uh, price that we're offering for the home. I do and comps, that, but sometimes that, you know, you know, you have to go over that number. And Naomi, if I can add one more thing, because I think Lorraine and I skipped over the first key part about being a competitive buyer mm -hmm. is working with a really good agent. And when you're working with, we forgot to say that because when you're working with a knowledgeable, experienced buyer agent, they're going to help you navigate all of these kinds of issues. Sometimes people think, well, I'll just go direct, you know, I'll call the listing agent. You need an advocate who's going to fight for you. And that's really what a good agent will do for you in the buying process. Agreed. And, and that's true. And not to mention that as real estate professionals, we interact with each other probably more than most people do in this type of industry. And that helps the buyer as well. If we have a connection with people that we have worked with before, I know I, I won over uh, two contracts for my people with apples and apples because the agent flat out said, I'd rather work with you. And, you know, so long as we maintain that level of professionalism and keep our, um, our let's keep networking with our fellow realtors and do the right thing. <laughs> so for the more important longer term question, if not a crash, what's going to put the brakes on the current housing market boom? I mean, I think if we look at what a mortgage will cost you today and how much you can borrow, you know, how long can we keep rates below 3%? Now think about what that also means. When mortgage rates are low, so is the savings rate. So if you're uh, counting on your savings and you're earning nothing in the bank, it's, uh, it's not a good prospect in terms of income that you were, you were counting on. The other thing is, um, you know, we've had the stock market make its run and people are talking about that being a very hot market. So a housing market correction could, uh, could be aligned with a stock market correction. So there are several different things um, aligned. 
And then the, the last piece, which I, I think if you count how many trillions of dollars we've put in the economy uh, from, from, the, from the federal government, at some point that has to be paid back. So when and how, and are we gonna grow out of all of this uh, investment spending that we've done as a country? Um, is it gonna take a step back with inflation that corrects it? There's a lot of pieces that aren't localized, but impact the local market. A lot of people are currently studying for their real estate licenses and joining the housing market as agents. What advice do you have for a new realtor? Don't do it. Run. Run away. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take this one I, because I, you know, I, I do, I do train new agents. Um, our office, uh, Keller Williams is very, um, very hands-on with training, especially for new agents. And I think that's what they need to understand is, you know, you get your license now, what do you do? Even doctors, you know, that's why they call it practicing, but they're not getting any practice. Um, but they really should understand what they're in for. They have to understand, they have to have a little bit of a, a cushion before you jump full-fledged full into this business. You have to understand it's not a paycheck. You have to put your, your work in. And I would also say to uh, shadow other agents, uh, do open houses, uh, get a feel. Um, I always ask them if they want to do role play. Um, I've accompanied uh, new newer agents uh, on their first time listing. And I've accompanied them on buyer, uh, I think buyer presentations um, and buyer consultations are very, very important because you have to really make a connection with that buyer, get that loyalty from that buyer, because I hear it all the time. I had a buyer, I don't know what happened to them. You have to make that connection with that buyer. And I counsel them and I tell them, you know, when I'm talking to my buyers, I'm asking you for my loyalty. And um, that's another thing I think is important for new agents to understand. Don't and and be loyal to them too. Do your work. Do your homework. Do your searches. Stay on top of it. Send them everything <laughs> that they qualify for. And when I say run, it's a little bit sarcastic, but it's a little <laughs> bit. Um, I think what you need to do is to run to an agent and learn before you get into school, because as, as Lorraine talks about shadowing, I think too many people go to real estate school and come out not knowing what to do next. The pr other problem with that is they may come out and learn what a real estate agent does and realize that's not what I wanna do. You know, it's not a nine to five job. It's not a uh, reporting to somebody and having a supervisor help you. It's not a typical job. You're running your own business as Lorraine said. And mm -hmm. I think what Lorraine is, is, is glossing over because she's been doing this for so long is her knowledge and a good agent's knowledge is in a whole bunch of different disciplines. You need to be a good business person, understanding how to structure a business, where you're gonna manage your incoming cash uh, needs and your expenses. Because in real estate, you spend a lot of money before you actually close a deal. The other thing you need to understand is there's a whole financial uh, analytical side to our business. Lorraine said she prides herself on comp analysis. What does that mean? She's understanding values of homes. She's doing the analysis of one home versus the other, which isn't a, which isn't a science, it's an art. And it comes from years of experience. Uh, the other thing is there's a sales piece to it. You've got to go out and sell yourself to a listing or to a buyer to use you and then go and sell the house or sell your client in the transaction. Um, there are so many pieces to this business. I think too often people go to real estate school not knowing what do I have to do? 
or what kind of commitment do I have? It's not get your license, go hang it somewhere and start selling houses. And I, 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 when I say run, it's because I do think people are running to real estate school without running to a real estate agent to say, what does your day look like? You know, what does it take to be a good agent? What does it take to successfully build a business? This ha- the, the business of real estate agency has a huge, huge percentage of people that leave the business within a year or two, more so than even restaurants, which we know are risky businesses. So when we have all those people leaving, the real question is why? And the other question is then, what can I do to make sure I'm not a casualty? I'm actually going to be a long-term agent with a successful business. Yeah, I just want to add as well that I think a lot, I would love to see a pre-licensing course in place, but it's pro, it does not, it's not in existence right now. But if there was such a program, I would be happy to run that program and let them really see the ups and downs. I often call my business a roller coaster because you can have the best day. You've had a closing, you got a new listing, you took out a new buyer, you wrote a contract, and it's just the best day ever. And then boom, the next day everything falls apart. And that's what happens in our, our business. And and I would explain it to these agents, you know, the, the highs, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows and everything in between, letting them really get a feel for what it is. And, and a lot of times uh, they would probably be disillusioned <laughs> and maybe go running like Peter said. <laughs> so if real estate is all about location, 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 um, sizing into Edison, how does the Edison market how is the Edison market different from the national news on housing? That's a great, that's a great question. If you you think about uh, the town of Edison, where do people go to work? It used to be there was a large percentage going to New York city. There was Mm -hmm. a commute that was involved and the proximity to New York was really important. A lot of those people haven't gone back and may never go back to New York. If you look at Edison as a school district, I call it a very good zip code. And when you look at Edison, people choose to move to Edison because I'm paying for good schools. It's worth my property taxes because I know it's a, it's a good experience. Um, Edison also has a diversity. Um, some people uh, want to be in an area where um, their kids are seeing the world through the eyes of, uh, of different groups. And so you can go to an area and it, everyone looks the same in school. Or you can go to an area like Edison and it's a United Nations of students. That's, that's one of the reasons uh, for my son, we chose a, a town where he wasn't going to look like everybody else because I want him to see the world the way it is. Edison has gone through a lot of changes and you start to see uh, people pushing back against overdevelopment. You see um, a large group of um, multifamily apartments, which adds a certain flavor. You're, you're starting to see homes that used to be you know, under 400,000 being knocked down and selling for 800,000. So it's a, it's a specific market changing. It's influenced by New York, um, but at the same time, it has its own economic base. Um, and I think it's a great town for lots of different reasons. Yeah, I agree with you, Peter. It's, I, I probably have sold uh, more homes in Edison probably than anywhere else because it is so desirable in our proximity. We're right here in Metuchen. We are surrounded by Edison. So when someone comes to me and says, um, yeah, I saw this cute little house, you know, and, and it's, it's in Edison, you know, I'm thrilled because 
maybe not so much in today's market because I got to prepare them for competing. But for the most part, it's exciting because it is a great community. It's a, um, I feel very close to the community. The whole, like Peter talked about the ethnicity and the culture is very rich in Edison. And I see a lot of that, um, a lot of festivals and things going on, which is really, really nice. And um, people I've sold homes to um, love. And oftentimes they, they won't even, if they're ready for another house, they'll stay right where they are and they'll make a lateral move or they'll downsize or they'll upsize, but it's staying in Edison. It's always been a hot market and now it's even more so schools primarily let's talk some numbers if you, if you don't mind and i won't get too technical on us but when you look at the year 2019 i, I view that as the world before covid uh and it was a good year um you know almost a thousand homes sold in town 982 homes uh for an average of three hundred eighty-three thousand dollars. so that's a, a nice middle to upper middle class community um, and then we saw a dip in the first quarter pre-covid because when you think about housing when they close, they've been in contract for 45 days. So from January through March of 2020, that the, the housing, um, the average housing price actually dropped 2.8%. So Edison went into COVID with both a drop in the number of sales, only 171 in the first quarter versus an average of 245 in 2019. And so we started into COVID uh, on a downtick. Then what happened is the market really bumped up in the second quarter and we saw an increase uh, in price of 27% versus the numbers in 2019. And the volume also went up. So in a quarter by quarter basis in 2020, in 2019, excuse me, of 245, there were 268 closings in the second quarter. And then what do we see? We saw the average price drop in the third quarter. That was the, the COVID overhang. Um, we saw more sales, 293 sales. So an increase of sales of uh, more than 10%, but a drop in average price of uh, of 11% versus the second quarter. You know, what's going on? Well, it's a fluid market. And when Lorraine talked about the people coming from New York, they came and then they kind of uh, were absorbed by the market. The year ended with a little bit of a rebound. We, we were pretty flat in terms of the average sale price. It was only up in the fourth quarter, uh, less than a half a percent over the third quarter. So the average sale price in uh October through December 2020 was 433,000, which is still a 13% jump versus, the, versus 2019. And then the market exploded here. The market took a, a little bit of a dip in the first quarter, but then we saw the average go from 433 to end 2020 to 487 average sale price, 487,000 average in the second quarter. And in the last three months, Going back from today, three months in closings, the average sale price broke through a half a million dollars. And in Edison, which had more sales than it did on average last year, 323 sales in the last three months, the average sale price was $501,000, which is a 31% jump versus the year, the, the 2019 pre-COVID. It's crazy. And month by month, the market continues to change. Another reason when you're out there looking in a market like this, Lorraine used the word roller coaster. Make sure you're with an agent who understands how to ride the roller coaster with you. There's no denying that the home buying process is a very lengthy one, whether it's finding your dream home, 
a real estate agent, being approved for a loan, an offer, appraisal, etc. How long does it usually take to buy a house? I mean, I, I, I can describe it. It could be as fast as 45 days or a lot longer. And you described some processes that can take just a couple days. Like how long does it take to get, to get pre-approved? It could be 20 minutes with a bank that you've worked with in the past, or it could take a long time as you're a self-employed, you need to work with a bank that understands what that means. You've always been a 1099 versus a W-2 uh, uh, income uh, earner. So you've got to go through a process different than someone that gets a check every two weeks from a company for the past 10 years. Um, you may have a house to sell. So are you putting your house on the market first, which delays the timeline? And then you go out looking and maybe it takes you a weekend to find your dream house or two weekends or 15 weekends. And you know I've taken buyers out where it, there's no rhyme or reason to why it takes a little bit or a long uh, amount of time. Um, if there's two people who want the same house, you may lose the first time. And then again, we just uh, closed a house actually yesterday where the buyer had lost out on six other houses. So when they came in, they bid way over ask. They wanted to be the only winning offer and they knew to win, they had to put a very competitive offer with no contingencies and a mortgage already in place. That buyer went from the day that we signed and in 45 days, they had the title. But is that typical? I don't know, and I'll ask Lorraine that. I'm not sure what typical is in our business. You're right. That's that's really nothing nothing certain anymore. But I did actually have a 30 day closing, and mainly because um, when you have a cash buyer, you don't have to um, wait for appraisals. You don't have to uh, go through that mortgage process and go through that whole application and hoping and praying that nothing goes wrong at the 11th hour, like God forbid they lose their job or something. Because I know ever since COVID started that the banks do call and verify employ the day of closing. So um, it's it can be a little scary. But uh, again, it could be a very quick and it could be um, it could be a 60 day process if you have all of the above between a mortgage and knowing you're selling something and you're trying to coordinate these closings. And but they need to understand, too, that the date that we put in that contract is a target date. Everybody seems to think that I have to close on that day and it's a target. So we um we, again, with our buyer consultation and the sellers too, we always let them know education is key. If you're educating your clients, your buyers, your sellers, you uh, shouldn't have um, too many issues. And I, I love to send out emails and document that I'm giving them the step-by-step -step plays so that they can see that. And I, I share that with the classes that I teach because I think it's important that they understand it's an oversimplified step-by-step uh, -step process, but at least it gives them the basics. So when speaking about the cur current housing market, there's a term called the housing bubble. Do you mind explaining to me what that is and if we're currently, if there currently is a bubble in the housing market? I apologize for my dog barking. She doesn't like the word bubble. So I think she's very <laughs> upset that we're using that term because when a bubble pops, um, there's a change. And so when we talk about a bubble, it's it's getting, uh, buyers are putting in offers over ask, like you, over list, like you said. Um, there aren't enough houses. People are doing crazy things and putting offers in. 
Um, it's, it's a huge run-up in price when we talk about a bubble and what creates the pop. Uh, the pop can be, you know, we see a huge jump in unemployment, which we don't expect. It could be a huge jump in um, interest rates, which we don't accept. It could be a huge jump in property taxes if each town now has to make up for their lost revenue uh, from sales or their uh, or a burden from all of these uh, dollars we've been spending on addressing the COVID pandemic. Um, that bubble pop um, can really impact both pricing and inventory and the ability to get a mortgage. Um, as, as Lorraine was saying, banks today, they literally will check the day of closing to make sure you're still employed. Um, they want to make sure that nothing's changed materially from the time they approved you to the time that you close. Um, they want to make sure you didn't go out and uh, buy a new car or uh, invest in something uh, that took a loss. Uh, maybe that stock uh, portfolio uh, corrected because your Bitcoin holdings went down. Um, the bubble can pop for lots of different reasons. And I think what happened um, in 2008, which is the real last big bubble that popped on us, is people were buying houses assuming the price was going to go up. And in doing that, they said, well, the prices have gone up every year for the past five years, so it'll keep going up, right? They had all of these mortgages that also assumed that interest rates wouldn't go up. So they had a three-year arm, they call it, a, uh, um, a adjustable rate mortgage, ARM. And so they borrowed thinking, well, I'm borrowing at 4%. It can't adjust. Wait, 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 now it's 6%. So we had in 2008, um, a lot of people who were trading houses like stocks, but if you think about a house, it's where you live. And that bubble um, was really from, from people over levering. Um, the movie, um, uh, The Short Sell um, by Michael Lewis talked about, you know, there were people who had multiple homes for quote unquote rentals and they didn't have enough income to cover their payments. But they figured, oh, don't worry, I'll just refinance. Hopefully we've learned enough from the 2008, 2009 bubble pop that if the market corrects itself now, it won't be nearly as painful as it was back then. Lastly, do, what advice do you have for first-time home buyers as well as mistakes they should try to avoid? Well, I think we talked a lot about the first-time home buyers and, and the do's and the don'ts. And a lot of it, as I said, comes in the uh, initial consultation. Um, I do, I, I love the first time buyers because they're so um, in awe of the whole that they're actually going to be homeowners. And sometimes they're not even very, very young. Sometimes, you know, they're in their, you know, early 40s, late 30s, and they're buying for the first time because they've never, they've always been afraid to take that plunge. And it's, you know, you're there, um, you know, to, to help them. You're there every step of the way. You're there to advise them. And um, Peter touched on something too about the mortgage companies, you know, checking up. I always tell them, if you're thinking about buying a car, please do not even think about it until you are, until you're in your house. Because I've had buyers say to me, can I go buy paint? You know, because I've conditioned them to not want to go and buy things because that can impact exactly the dollar that they're looking to, to purchase. I think the other thing, which we, Lorraine mentioned a whole bunch of things that uh, inv involved working with an agent. She forgot to say working with an agent is a first time home buyer because some first time home buyers think, you know what, I can do it without an agent. And that's, 
and, and a lot of, look, very smart people, doctors, engineers, lawyers say, I'm very good at my job. I've got great degrees. I'm a smart person. I can do this without an agent. Well, okay, maybe you can. But Lorraine and, and I and other agents, we close houses all the time. We've seen all the problems, or at least we've seen a lot of problems. And so it's not about being smarter than agents. It's about trusting someone that their experience is going to help you through the process. I have nothing against someone, someone who thinks, you know what, I'm really educated, I'm really smart, I don't need an agent. But then when there's a problem, they go running. They go running for an agent or an attorney or someone to help them. And they forget if they had started out with a knowledgeable, trustworthy real estate agent themselves, they would have avoided a lot of headaches. And it's a shame that we think um, a real estate agent who charges a commission only on closing and only from the seller um, isn't someone to be trusted. We're all, it's very easy to get your license in New Jersey. You sit in a class, you take a test, and you're a real estate agent. doesn't mean you can do real estate deals, but you're an agent. And my number one advice for first-time home buyers is find a real estate agent with experience that you can trust and work with them and listen to what their advice is. You don't have to follow them, but at least use their knowledge. Uh, yeah, it's, it's our market, I feel, is... Um it's going to get healthier. I'm hoping because I, I'm starting to see a little more inventory come on and I'm seeing it sit a little bit, just a tad longer instead of being gone by the time you even go to get your appointment. So, um, you know, the home buyers, once we condition them and, and let them know this is what they could be in for, you know, you're ahead of the game because you're not coming to you saying, why didn't you tell me about this? How come I didn't know this was going to happen? Well, thank you both again for this informative discussion. And I'm sure it will, it will help a lot of Edison buyer and sellers right now in the market. So thank you again. Thank you for having us. We really appreciate it. And we do love to share the knowledge of our business and we are people, people.